So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle Earth. (laughs) If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... (laughs) Sally Ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. (laughs) We're unqualified, but we have ideas. Okay, let's let's get into it. Yes? Yes. Let's roll. Let's roll. I like that. I don't know why it's terrible, and I sounded so lame when I said that. But that's <laughs> how we're going to open the show. There we go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. All right, so here's chapter 12. Yes, chapter 12 of Men. Um, Does one of you want to do the characters? Sure. I don't know Barahir, Baron... Arendil, Elwig, Earwig, Elrond. <laughs> I don't know them very well. Um, so somebody might have to jump in and rescue me there. But our main Valar are back um, in chapter 12, um, which even though it's titled Of Men, is really about um, how men aren't important. Uh, so that we have that to look forward to. Uh, Manwe is the king of the Valar, right? And then we have Olmo. Uh, his bro, who is the Valar of the ocean, and he has the most interaction, um, not only like with the elves in Valinor, but also with men and elves in other parts of Middle-earth, because he travels more fluidly than everybody else. Um, We have Yavanna, who is the Valar of nature, and she features very strongly in this chapter because everything that she planted, everything she planned to grow is finally um, coming to fruition. We have Mandos, who is the Valar um, responsible for the halls of the dead. And then we have my bro, Morgoth, who (laughs) is back uh, causing small shenanigans. Um, But this chapter is like three pages long, so not a whole lot happens. Um, For our smaller characters... We have Barahir, who is our first human man um, to be named and feature in some prominence. We have Baron, who is the son of Barahir. We have Erendil, um, who's Arendil. going to be important to us in the future. Erendil, listen, let me live my life. Okay, we're going to pronounce this I mean, however I decide. Uh, that's fair. Do whatever you want. I mean, they do say his name in the movies, so you have heard it before. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Anyway, moving on. And then we have Elwing, um, who is Arendil's wife, who I kept reading as Earwig when I was reading this book. And then we finally have Elrond, um, who is the son of Arendil and Elwing. Um, And we all know him very well. So those are our main characters of chapter 12. Do you want me to tell you when they say his name in the movie? Or do you want to just wait? Sure. I don't know. So the little jar of light that uh, Galadriel gives to Frodo is is the oh, light yes. of Arendelle. Yeah, I didn't make that connection at all. Maybe it spoils a little bit of some Arendelle having some shit to do with some stuff. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Who's going to do the summary? I did just want to mention, I think it's hilarious um, because Arendelle and Elwing have another kid like, I mean, we all know who Elrond is. He's an elf. Mm-hmm. 
but they do have another kid who is a human, but that kid is not mentioned in this chapter that is called Of Men. I think that's funny. Because, of course. I feel like Tolkien does that a lot. Like, things that seem logical to us as we're reading it is, like, they don't appear for pages and pages and pages. Yeah. Do you guys want me to do the summary, or do one of you? I mean, it's a it's a very small summary. All right, so what happens? <laughs> Men come into the world, uh, shit starts to grow, and... Uh, it's talked about sort of at length that nobody really knows what happens to humans after they die. It is, but it is well known that they do die, unlike elves. I mean, elves can be killed, but humans can be killed easier and also will age and, and die of old age. Um, that's pretty much the chapter. <laughs> and then they mention some humans, like, just offhandedly. They don't really get, like, the pages and pages of family trees that we got with the Noldor. We just get... Humans, they exist now. Yeah. I guess the the key is kind of humans exist, but after all the time preparing for them, the Valar have kind of just left them alone in this land with Morgoth. It's not very good parenting. Not at all. Yeah. And they talk, I guess, a bit in this chapter. There's a few paragraphs about how all of the distrust between the races, not just men and elves, but um, dwarves too, kind of has... Uh, festered in, I guess, the break before men came into the world. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, it's about two pages long, this chapter, and not a whole lot happens, but we do get some uh, pretty descriptions. What, what did you think of the line about Baron? I have to go reread it. My, my primary thought was, Baron! Oh, I know this name, and we just met Luthien! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. That was my thought. Well, this was one of those sentences that Tolkien really likes to do where he says, absolutely no one has ever done this before, except for this one other guy who did do this. And I'm going to tell you about it right now. But he does that like three or four times in the span of these two chapters, which I just, God, there's some weird writing in these, in these pages. Oh, yeah. It's like one mega line that's like, holy cow, this is an entire story. Yeah. Put into one single line. Yes, Baron, whose hand had touched a Silmaril, but he never spoke afterward to mortal men. Of, after coming okay. back from the dead. Yep. Don't forget that part. <laughs> that part's less interesting than, I feel like it's really funny, right? They talk about he comes back from the mansions of the dead, right? He is the only one who's ever done this, after, of course, saying that nobody else could do it. And then, but it's pretty much like the same gravity of he returns from the dead this is the guy that touched a Silmaril. And by the way, after that, he never talks to mankind ever again. I like how those three things are equated. Yeah, he's too right? good for humans now. He's been dead. He touched a Silmaril. I just, I think that's hilarious how the chapter previous to this, it's like, and Morgoth put the Silmarils into his iron crown and locked himself up and nobody could ever touch it and then in this chapter just like really offhandedly whose hand had touched a silmaril <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert they yeah. eventually end up away from morgoth or at least one of them does yes well they're all lost so they have to end up somewhere yeah i um really loved the second paragraph of this chapter where they're describing time i think this was my that was my favorite bit of this entire useless chapter. <laughs> um, 
From this time forth were reckoned the years of the sun. Swifter and briefer are they than the long years of the trees of, in Valinor. In that time, the air of Middle-earth became heavy with the breath of growth and mortality, and the changing and aging of all things was hastened exceedingly. Life teemed upon the soil and in the waters in the second spring of Arda, and the Eldar increased, and beneath the new sun, Beleriand grew green and fair. I just love that. Like, I can just... It's the way the air was in New Orleans. Everything is green. Everything is humid and growing. I really... I. That was it. After that, I was like, okay, I'm done with this chapter. Nothing happened in it anyway, so... Yeah, it's really great. And I, I will say the rising of the sun and the coming of humans to Middle-earth, that marks the beginning of the first age as the ages are discussed in the Lord of the Rings. Like, Lord of the Rings takes place during the third age. So we are now at the beginning of the first age. If that makes sense. Just to put some time... Uh, my mind just blanked on the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> Perspective on everything. Well, and we do. We can actually literally count extended time. I mean, I guess you could Finally. with the trees, but like in in Middle Earth, they had no time. So yeah, and then we get some names that we recognize, like uh, we discussed Baron, and you might recognize the name of Barry here. It's ever so briefly mentioned in the movies, also. I didn't. It sounds familiar. All right, tell me where that one is too. In the Two Towers, Saruman recognizes Aragorn's ring as the Ring of Barahir. Yep, there we go. And then Elrond, of course. We learn that he is born, but not yet. <laughs> In the great way of Tolkien. <laughs> I don't... I, I guess of all the humans mentioned in this, during this time, or all the people, sorry, mentioned this, like, I don't think any of them are actually born yet. Maybe Barahir. He may have been one of the first humans, but the rest are all descendants of him. So they're not alive yet. This one was really interesting because, um, you know, when the Silmarillion was com uh, compiled together, I found myself wondering, like, this fits where it is, but I could absolutely also see it having been written like way earlier or completely differently because it is yeah. just a little bit of the setting the time stage. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I was going to mention this at the end, but I can mention it now. I had a really good discussion with some people on Twitter about the way this chapter and a lot of these chapters are written mm -hmm. in that they're sort of supposed to be like oral stories told around the elven campfire, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of the time they will make mention of other stories like this. Like, this is how humans, or this is what the world was when humans came into the world, and then it will just make mention of Baron, because it assumes that you, as a young elf around the campfire, have heard the story of Baron and Luthien. Yeah, oh. definitely. And I think you got into some of the linguistic quirks of, you know. Yeah. And I mean, that would work in that setting. I think it's a strange choice for a published work. But again, Tolkien was had passed away by this time so it was you know and christopher tolkien put it all together so it'd be interesting to have seen what choices would have been different had jert tolkien <laughs> been involved in the publication of this good old jert <laughs> 
if you don't know what we're talking about, please see episode, I don't know, what was that, six, five? Something like that. (laughs) 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 Episode, um, Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien. Yeah, that's the one. Um, but that's pretty much it for that chapter. Humans exist, we haven't met them yet. small chapter. We are again told that the sun has risen. Yes. Just in case you forgot. We're, we're going to get it one more time. <laughs> so lest you're feeling like this is going to be a really boring episode, chapter 13 is where all of the things happen. Yeah. So many things. At one point near the end of chapter 13, I was literally just like, have I, am I in chapter 14? Like, did I miss that? Because it just, there's so much. Yeah, so chapter 13 is called Of the Return of the Noldor, but pretty much the Noldor return, and then it's just, like, of the happenings of the Noldor messing everything up as they do. (laughs) I do love that about the Noldor, that you can always count on them for entertainment. (laughs) Yeah, there's no dull moments, but... Oof. Um, So I guess, are we, we're jumping in? Yeah, you get characters. I get characters, yep, because... I made I made notes. Um so I do want to start. There's a lot of characters who are all of the House of Finway, so if you um are near a technological device while you're listening, uh, I mean you have to listen on a technological device, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> Where um, are you just, going with this? <laughs> we're going to we're going to share a family tree. If you want to yes. look at it, there will be a family tree. Or in the show notes. Family just... trees are helpful. Please don't stare at it if you're listening while driving or, you know, if you're, I don't know, listen to podcasts while running or something. Don't run into a tree. Take your pick. But point being, so we have Feanor again. We go back to him. He is uh, the son of Finway and uh, maker of Silmarils and Bad Decisions. Mm-hmm. He, so true. Yeah, he's pretty much the reason the Noldor left Falinor. And he has a whole bunch of kids, but the three key ones here are Maedros, who's Feanor's oldest son, and then... My favorite! <laughs> Caitlin's favorite. And <laughs> Caligorm and Caranthir. Then, I want to mention again, Morgoth is our, our big bad evil Vala. Still there. Still showing up. Still here. But um, the key being that he um, stole... The Silmarils and is basically Feanor's nemesis, and also the reason they left Valinor. Um, so for the fun family tree part, then we have Fingal Finn, who is the half brother of Feanor. Uh, when Feanor sailed across and then burned the ships, uh, Fingal Finn got left behind and had to walk across the really hard way. He has a pair of sons um, who are relevant here: Fingon and Turgon. And then um, Fingon and Turgon have cousins um, who came with. They're the children of Fingal Finn's brother, Finarfin, who stayed back. And so we have Finrod, Angrod, and Galadriel. So sort of those five are kind of all sort of mainly on the one side, as opposed to the sons of Feanor, who are sort of descendants of Maker of Bad Decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Um... We also have Thingol and Melian, who we've talked about last episode, that are the rulers of the Sindar, a.k.a. the Grey Elves. 
Uh, we're going to mention again Almo, who matters because while the Valar are staying back in Valinor and keeping to themselves, he, being part of the water, has actual interaction with Middle-earth. So he's pretty much the only guy not ignoring everyone. And last but certainly not least, we have some um, extra bad guys. We have Galarung, a baby dragon, and future important, and Gothmog, the lord of the Belrogs. We forgot a character. And who did we forget? I'm looking up his name, the Lord of the Eagles. Oh. Ooh. I, yeah, I was just going for eagles. <laughs> there are some eagles. Thorondor. Thorondor. Thor. Ondor. Yep. Thorondor, the Lord of the Eagles. Whichever one of those works out for you. <laughs> so those are, I guess, important non-humanoid creatures. I don't know why I'm adding him to the notes when we've already talked about him. <laughs> but it's because too late to go back now. We can pretend we're going to reference these later. So anyway, yes, lots of people. All right. I'm going to try to sum this chapter up. It is very long and I am I am skimming over a lot of shit that happens so much. in this chapter. So, yeah. So, the Noldor on the boats. They get off the boats and they pretty much go right into battle. Well, they burn the boats and then pretty much go right into battle with um, Morgoth's forces. So while there's a big host of them, and then Fanor pushes his way back to the back of the enemies in this big thing, thinking that Morgoth himself will be there, and that he can fight him and get his Silmarils back. But of course, Morgoth... Oh my god, I cannot speak. But of course, Morgoth is locked up in Angband and sulking, so all Feanor finds are a whole bunch of Balrogs. And he is wounded with many wounds. And that was then dies. Great writing right there. Uh, basically, uh, I guess like his kids get him out. And as they're trying to get him somewhere he can heal, Feanor is just like, no, leave me. I will die. Carry on your oath. Uh, bonus points for him being so fiery of spirit that they don't even end up with the body. He just goes into ash. Very much like well, yeah, a vampire. And, yeah, and his his spirit doesn't go to, you know, the halls of Mandos. It just burns up. He's just gone forever. Does it say that? I think his spirit goes. It just says that he never comes back. Yeah. No, he doesn't go to the hall. Then he died, but he had neither burial nor tomb, for so fiery was his spirit that as it sped, his body fell to ash and was borne away like smoke. And his likeness has never appeared in Arda. Neither has his spirit left the Halls of Mandos. So he went to the Halls of Mandos. He just didn't leave. Okay. Because el- I read that wrong. Elves can choose to be reborn if they wish. Which, given how hella boring Mandos' house seems, I feel like everybody should be reborn. As far as I'm aware, there's only one confirmed reborn elf. As far as I know. If somebody out there knows differently, please... Enlighten me. Alright, so, Feanor dead, basically the minute his foot sets down in Middle-earth. After that, uh, Morgoth sends out messengers to the uh, remaining Noldor to have some sort of a meeting and speak of peace and offers them a Silmaril. They, like, know it's a trap, but they go anyways, thinking they can maybe turn the trap around, but they can't, and Maedros gets captured. And then he gets tortured, and eventually Morgoth just sort of hangs him from one of the the cliffs in Thangorodrim. Convenient cliffs. 
I just think it's hilarious. He just hangs him there. So sometime after that, uh, Fingolfin arrives with the sun from their big walk. And eventually they meet up. We mean with- the literal sun here, not... Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not all of his sons who are also there. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so they meet up with Feanor's host. And as to be expected, things are a little cool between the two parts of that family. You know, they're not, they're not feeling so hot towards one another. Um, but eventually, Fingen, one of Fingolfin's sons, who was good friends with Maedros, decides to go and try to rescue him, and finds him on the cliff, and obviously can't get up there, so he prays to Manway. Manway sends an eagle. He gets on the eagle, he goes up there, and he cuts off his hand to get him down. Yeah. And then- I really see here's my thing like I understand that your wrist is strong but you're like shackled to the edge of a cliff and you're hanging there your entire body I feel like your wrist would have broken and you would have plunged to your death before then he's an elf am I wrong the same rules don't apply to them but it says in one of the previous chapters it says that their bodies can be torn just like man's can right they can be torn by violence their spirits however are not affected Okay, fine. This is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is that, but it's also apocryphal. it's talked about after um, Fingen gets Majors out of there. It is said that he heals quickly um, because the the light of whatever be- because he's from Valinor and all that goodness is still in him. So maybe he was there, but like because he heals fast, his hand could never quite damage enough to slip through it was just in constant pain let's not think too hard about it <laughs> anyways he was tortured bad shit happened got it lost a hand but lived and then Fingen and Majros had like a big you know they sort of brought their two families together and made up and everybody's maybe not happy with each other now but the Noldor know at the very least that they have to work together and some of them feel good about it so which one is Romeo and which is Juliet? We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> oh, and also Maedros uh, basically gives leadership of the Noldor to Fingolfin. Even though in a way it should have gone to Maedros. Maedros is like, no, no, no. You seem smarter. You do it. <laughs> uh, and then after that, basically hundreds of years pass. There's a whole bunch of battles between the Noldor and Morgoth's forces. Um, they do meet with Thingol, and they had. They also have a very cool, like, yeah, we're here now, and Thingol's like, great, don't make camp here. Go away. Relatable. And it is a little bit like, great, you can camp in between me and Morgoth. Set up your homes there. <laughs> Which, I guess that's fair. It is their own fault. Like, it is the Noldor's fault that Morgoth is uh, pissed. I mean, it's not their fault that he's evil, but... Anyway, it's carrying on. <laughs> Over these hundreds of years, um, Morgoth's forces and Angband and the Noldor all set up around that get into kind of a stalemate, because there's no way for them to get into Angband, but there's also really no way for Morgoth to overtake them and kill them. So there's a big uh, stalemate that lasts like 500 years with battles happening and stuff. Uh, during these battles, at one point, 
Was it Finrod and Turgon? Finrod being... Shoot, who are these people? Um, I think it is. And Fingon is the son of... They're both sons of Fingolfin? Oh, no, no. Finrod is a son of Finarfin, and Turgon is a son right, right, right. of Fingolfin. So, yeah, yeah, the cousins. So, okay. they're cousins. So, Finrod and Turgon go on some sort of a river journey. I guess there was some breaks between battles for drinking on a river. Uh, I assume they were getting drunk. Anyways, and then they fall asleep beside the river one night, and almost sends them dreams of basically places in Middle-earth. Like, it's described much better. And after that, the two of them are kind of filled with a purpose to find these places and set up their own strongholds there. And then during one of the big battles, we get our first glimpse of a dragon who uh, named Glaurung, who is very young and is quickly sort of beat by the Noldor, but not killed. And he escapes back into Angband. And Morgoth wasn't happy with his, his little baby pet dragon because he wanted him to be bigger and stronger when he unleashed him. But now the elves know about him. But it doesn't really matter because they don't do anything to prepare. They just stand there and stare at Angband. <laughs> and that's pretty much the chapter. I wanted to also note, um, in terms of the suns going different places, um... Caranthir, one of the sons of Feanor, isn't super happy with all of Madras's decisions. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of gets grumpy and also runs off far to his own place. But definitely the, the seeds of discord are still there and the sons of Feanor aren't entirely buddy-buddy. Yeah, um, I think we're going to get more in-depth into where everybody ends up and the cities and kingdoms that they create in the next chapter. So I didn't want to go too much into it because um, the next chapter is literally called Of the Lands of Beleriand, I'm pretty sure. So of Beleriand gonna... and its realms. And its realms, yeah, yeah. So we're going to get, I think we're going to get super in-depth about where everybody ends up and, and that sort of thing next week. But yeah, um, all the brothers and cousins kind of set up their own area. Majros has his place, Kelgorm and Kurufin, which are two other sons of, of Feanor, um, have a place together. Caranthir has a place, you know, Thingol has his place, and Fingolfin has his own place, and blah 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 blah. The key here is just pretty much fighting for everyone, both among ourselves and against Morgoth. Okay, so, discussion. Feanor's death. Did you think it was going to happen right away? No, not at all. I I had such a, a laugh because it was like, he died as stupidly as he lived. Like, what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. He just, like, he gets there and just runs right off and dies. Like, really, dude? Really? I, I mean, I was pretty sure once it said, like, you know, he just kept going because he thought eventually he was going to get to fight Morgoth. He just kept walking further and further away from all of his friends. I was like, yeah, eventually he's going to get surrounded and die. But um, I didn't think that he would die so spectacularly that his body would literally just turn to ash. Yeah, I feel like Feanor was this big promise given to the to the elves who never came to anything. You know what I mean? Like, I get that he made the Silmarils, but he just... That's it. Yeah, he just seemed like such a... A waste almost. Yeah, like they described him as being like the the creator of like the greatest successes and the greatest failures, but mostly like just the greatest waste of potential. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's a good disappointed way of principal going, You should be more than this while you sit in detention for 
<laughs> fighting all the other kids. Yeah, it's and and he had not a single thought for anybody else. Like, I wonder whatever happened to his wife. Like, did she come? Did she stay? I don't think she came. I'm pretty sure. Because that really sucks for her that her husband and all of her kids left her. Right. No, I'm I'm pretty sure. Does she even know? Like, if she didn't come, would she even know that they're gone? I well, I'm sure she would know. Somebody would Mandos would send her a dream. <laughs> All right, Nerd and I'll refuse to follow her husband to Middle Earth. So, yep, smart woman. She just stays behind and is probably a lot happier. I mean, that just really sucks for her. It's okay. I I, I think she's probably better off without him. No, well, uh, yeah, well, without the sons. Fanor, I suppose being sure. without her sons, maybe her kids. Yeah, that that sucks. And. I mean, they all have a curse on them now. All seven of her children. <laughs> to that that they're never she's never gonna see them. Even if they even if they I'm trying not to spoil shit, but I don't think it's a surprise that all seven of them die. Oh really? So, <laughs> because of the curse, basically. And I don't know, that just really sucks. That really sucks for her and Fanar messed up her family for her. Yeah. I mean Thanks, yeah, they're Fanar. like they had like the most kids of anyone in Elfdom and mm-hmm. They're all just gonna die in misery. Well, I guess they chose to follow their father, so that's yeah. that. Something, something. Nature versus nurture. <laughs> well, some of them are okay. Like, Matros is a perfectly decent dude. Although maybe his torture helped with that. Like, maybe he was a... I seem to think he was against the burning of the ships, though, but didn't really mm-hmm. know what to do that. But And then he's tortured for years, I think. He had a lot of time to think while hanging from one wrist. Yeah. Poor dude. All right. And yet, dies anyway. Well, we're not there yet. No. We don't know that. Well, we don't know <laughs> how. Um, other than presumably something to do with the curse. So, Finnegan and Maedros. Mm-hmm. Here's my question. Is incest wrong if there's no chance for procreation? Because A, they're cousins, but B, they should make out. Yes. What? <laughs> Yes! I'm going under the principles of incest is not wrong here because we barely have any people left. Or yet. Mm. So the rules clearly didn't apply when everyone else started getting to procreating because there are some definite, like, cousin action going on with some of these family trees. But, like, they should make out, right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) And the part we didn't talk about in the summary is, like, the details of it, where it's super sad, where, like, uh, Fingon goes to, uh, like, try to rescue him, and then he can't get up that high, and so he actually, what he's actually praying for to the eagles is, like, the swift wind to carry this um, arrow to kill him so that he can finally die instead of hanging there. It's really sad. And they, like, find each other through song? Yeah. Like, Fingon is wandering through the hills singing, and Major sings back? And then he gets there and he prays to Manwin and Eagle comes and takes him up and then he can't get him out of the chains and Majros begs him to kill him. And then he refuses and he cuts off his hand and carries him away on an eagle and then they make out. Yep. That's it. That's See, the story. They're both emotionally traumatized. I don't feel cool with that. Look, I feel good about Fingon because he thought to carry his harp this entire way. <laughs> And, like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, exactly how large this harp is, because harps are not small instruments, right? Like, the handheld size is, isn't that like a lyre? But 
when I think of a harp, I think of, you know, like a standing harp. I- I'm, I'm sure it was so, more like a, like a handheld. Because, I mean, but he's... what was it? He's not a... This is what I want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm now imagining this giant harp strapped to his <laughs> back. And every five steps, he stops to play a bit. And he's like, well, nobody's responding to me here. <laughs> Packs it all back up. Walks on a little bit <laughs> this more. That's what I'm saying, okay? That wouldn't be the weirdest thing that happened in this novel. That's fair. I'm going to send you this really funny <laughs> stock photo I just found, by the way, that you can picture now. I was looking up... Uh, harps but excellent excellent we'll post it on twitter (laughs) (laughs) exactly yep and then caucasian woman (laughs) caucasian woman (laughs) holds up harp this is this is a small harp (laughs) listen given all of the detail tolkien gives us in other stupid things i really feel like he could have gone into a little more detail about the practical aspects of life there are some very weird things that come up when you Google small harp. But anyway, <laughs> when you Google handheld harp, you get some good stuff that is probably more what was happening here. Yeah, I couldn't think of such a useful word. <laughs> small. Anyways, that's a lot of harp discussion that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's just the important things. Yeah. The important things are that Fingon and Majors are in love. Yes. And maybe they're also cousins, but that's fine. We don't care. There's not going to be kids. They're both guys. I'm still judging. Also, still they're only judging. like... Th- they're like half cousins. Because <laughs> they only have one of the same parents. Right. Or grand... Yeah. Yeah, grand- yeah, no. Yeah, half. Because their fathers are half brothers. Barely related at all. There we go. So creepy. <laughs> Maybe our listeners know a little too much about Rachel and I now, but... <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay, wait. I have I have a good idea here. Yes. If you Google Fingen and Majors kissing, you get a lot of art results. So we are not the only ones. Good. Oh, that one's a little bit too much for me. Jesus. Okay. You don't, you get more than kissing sometimes. Yeah, there's some good stuff here. Some of them are really pretty. Oh, look at that one. That's an incredible eagle. Oh, look, here they are sitting beneath a tree with some cats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as they have cats. All right, I'll include some links to some good Fingon and Majors fan art for all of you. There are beautiful boys. Oh, I love yep. them. And they deserve to be happy, even though it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think they're both cursed. And when you're in a relationship and both of you are cursed, you know there's no happy ending in store. Maybe. But is it you- better? You can sympathize? Oh, this is beautiful, too. Holy cow. I mean, I guess it's better than if, like, one of you was cursed and you thought you were going to bring the curse on the other person. They don't have to worry about that. Yeah, there we go. They're they're stuck together. Anyways, let's move on. Yep. I think Emmy is still uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting on the out. train, guys. You can't make me. They're only half cousins. No. <laughs> No. All right. What did we think of Thingle in this? <laughs> Thingle. Listen, what a great name. And by great, I obviously mean <laughs> awful. <laughs> I, get, I mean, if you call him King Thingle or... A- Even worse. <laughs> or, as I said here, Elu Thingle, King in Doriath. No? Yeah. Um, are, are, we, are we talking about opinions or... 
I just more meant like his right. his his oh. um welcome, I suppose, or lack thereof of the Noldor and him literally saying like, "Yes, go. You can live in these lands between me and Morgoth." I mean, to be fair, I can't really blame him because he just fought against Morgoth and built this really, you know, this protective barrier and these people are all fighting each other and they described that he'd heard like the burning of the ships and stuff and I would not want to bring this family squabble into my home. I'm just saying. I'm so sorry, I'm still looking at fan art and this one is called Kissing My Cousin and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> is great really the word? Yes. Is it? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, okay. We're good. We're good. Emmy, what did you think about Thingle in this chapter? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I didn't think much. I just kind of got through it. I thought that it was an interesting, like, an actual relationship was described, right? Like, so he and Finrod, and I, don't, I can't tell if Galadriel was in on this or not, but they, like, talk about a bunch of things, right? Mm -hmm. Versus in Mandway holding court with the Valar, it always seems like they're talking about, um, I guess, problems. And in this one, it was like they're talking about each other and they're talking about, like, their lives and what they want. Um, and so Thingol, like, Thingol tells, um, I can't remember what he tells Finrod and then Finrod tells him his dreams. Um, and so Thingol kind of like sets him on this path to find these caves where he'll be comfortable. And right. I don't know. It was nice. Yeah. Some of it's good. I, I, I guess with 500 years, they all had time to get to know each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do kind of uh, yes. hate how Galadriel just sort of like her whole point in coming to Middle Earth was to find uh, her own land that she could be uh, in charge of, or what have you, mm -hmm. leader. Um, and, but then she just sort of moves into Managroth, meets that dude the guy settles Kele down. Celeborn. Celeborn. Celeborn, yeah. And just lives there. And I mean, she becomes friends with Melian, and she learns a lot from her. And that's fair. But, but still. she just sort of gives up on her dreams for Celeborn. Who we know she ends up stuck with for thousands and thousands of years. Like, go yeah. see the world first. I don't know. And I don't think going in and out of Doriath happens very much because of the, you know, the girdle. Mm -hmm. So she's just in these woods. That's true. And she kind of just disappears off the page, right? She should be a much larger character, um, but she just kind of... Well, um, she's a woman, follows. so she can't be. <laughs> well, fine. It's true. But I mean, come on. Muriel got to wake up and do things. Um, I don't know. They set her up as, like, she's going to be awesome. And instead, you know, she gets stuck in this forest. And we know she's going to be stuck there forever. <laughs> to be much. fair, Fanor had the most epic birth of all time. And then had the saddest death. <laughs> so well, his death was epic. He just, you know, died. That happens. I, no, to be fair, yeah, he was murdered by a bunch of Balrogs, which I guess visually is epic. I more meant, like, he died way before his time, so. Oh. Well, there's that. 
And basically died for nothing. Yeah. It's too bad he wasn't cut down by Morgoth. That would have been better. That was all he wanted. Yeah. Uh, then, then what happens? A bunch of, they, they set up camp, basically. They move into Middle-earth. And again, I don't want to get too much into this, because I think we're going to get very much into it in the next chapter. Um, but it is, I, the two, the two who had their dreams, who was that? Finrod and Turgon? Yeah, Finrod and Turgon. So they, um, end up setting up Nargothrond and uh, the other one does eventually find his place and if memory serves that becomes Gondolin which we we've gotten mentions of in previous chapters um, and those with Doriath become like the three big strongholds of the elves during this war mostly because Morgoth doesn't know where those three places are and or cannot get to them because of, you know, the girdle, or they're just hidden. So that's why that's important. Dragon. Dragon. Finally, we get a dragon. I really like Glavrung. Um, much of that is from a later chapter, but he's just such a... Later on, we see that he's a bit of a... Like, let's just say that later on he could kill someone, but instead of that, he makes it so that he he realizes how much they've ruined their life and then they kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and he, it's fabulous. I mean it's it's terrible, but I I like that he's kind of a a dick, not just evil, but like a jerk, you know. So what a, what a way to dragon, not kill someone with fire, not kill <laughs> someone with your giant teeth, but with conscience. Yeah. It's really fabulous. And it was like his fault in the first place that this person's life got all messed up. <laughs> and then he, like, <laughs> made them aware of how messed up their life was. And then they're like, right, so I'll just kill myself then. Oh, psychological torture dragons. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yes, exactly. The psychological torture dragons. It's fabulous. You know, you hear of fire dragons, ice dragons. Eh. I mean, I guess Glaurung was kind of raised as, like... I mean, like, what goes on in Ingband? Nobody really knows. A whole lot of orcs procreating. And apparently dragons, because yes. there is more than one. But yeah, the whole host gets killed, like, several different times, but Morgoth's just holding enough back to keep repopulating. Yeah. It does kind of remind me of, um, of Rob Stark's line, when he's like, you know, I've won every battle, but I'm losing the war. A similar thing going on here, where they, mm -hmm. they win all the battles, but they make no headway. Yeah. It is nice having a super cool mountain stronghold. Yeah. I, yeah. I did want to actually go into that. So just so everybody, if you're not reading along, um, so you understand or you know how um, Angband or why Angband is so impenetrable, is basically it's an underground cavernous fortress, and on top of it is three volcanoes. Which, and it was those volcanoes where, which is, uh, the three volcanoes are called Thangorodrim, and that's where Majros was, you know, hung up on the cliff. So, they can't really climb through the volcanoes, and they can't get in through the front gate. So, basically, Angband is impenetrable. Also, spies are sneaking out. Spies! Yeah, because, uh, 
What's that man's name? Morgoth. Jesus, Caitlin. Uh, his folks can get out through the volcano. Either they have their own secret passage or volcanoes don't bother them. Or they're expendable enough that they can just keep sending them and if yeah. one in a hundred gets through, eh, fine. So Angband is much worse than Mordor. Is where I was going with that. Mordor had one volcano. Angband has three. That's how we measure things in Middle-earth. Yep, yep. <laughs> Number of volcanoes. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, we covered the important thing with Fingon and Madros. Yeah, that was the most important <laughs> thing, that they're in love and will be forever. Well, was that the question you were Squick. threatening us with? Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad I, I passed the test. Yes. Emmy, we'll have to work on her. I'm very comfortable with the failure. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, just so that everybody out there knows, uh, this is not the last time incest is going to come up in this book. Oh, yeah, we do have that warning in the future. And that one I'm a little less comfortable with. But this one I am full on in favor of. Again, they're just, they're sort of half cousins. It's fine. And really, like, when you think about it, why is incest a problem? A, it can do messed up things if you procreate. And B... It's usually a result of um, abuse. This is neither of those things. So it's hurting no one. See, Emmy? Emmy is silent. I'm just... No thanks. I mean, as I was looking at family trees in the back, this is sort of future spoiler alert, so may not ultimately want to keep it in, but, um, like, Aragorn and Arwen are basically cousins, Several times through. They're, okay, but they're like hundreds of generations apart. Hey, the technicalities are still there. <laughs> like They're hundreds of generations apart. So, no. <laughs> they're not related at all. <laughs> Aragorn has a common ancestor. <laughs> But that's it. When you're at this time back in history where there aren't very many people yet, it, it was bound to happen. Yep. I mean, I'm fully in... Uh, like we talked about, Fingon and Majros, yes, fully in support. I'm sure there's more of these cousins that need to be making out. I'm, I'm down with it. I mean, all we have are men, right? And all we have are cousins, <laughs> so that's who we have to ship. Yep. Not that there's anything wrong with shipping men, you know what I mean. I was I more meant the cousins thing. So all we have are cousins. <laughs> all right. right. So, with that note, all we have are cousins. Um, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's our episode title. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, next week's homework, chapter fourteen and fifteen, and I have a feeling it's going to be kind of similar in that there's going to be one chapter that's a bit of a doozy, and then one chapter. Oh, actually, yeah, and then one chapter that's kind of short. All right, so 14 of Beleriand and its realms, and then 15 of the Noldor in Beleriand. Sounds like a good thing that we're doing those two chapters together. We can get all of our Beleriand pronunciation out of our way. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to, if you want to be part in interesting discussions of... um, his, you know, the history nerdy of things. this and nerdy things and occasional fan art and ridiculousness. Follow us on Twitter at to read Tolkien. Mm-hmm. 
Come talk to us about Madras and Fingen. At least come talk to Rachel and I about Madras and Fingen. Share your pictures of them kissing. Nah. And we can... Watch from a distance. Yep. We'll just leave her off the Twitter this week. (laughs) And uh, you can email us at youwanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com if you want to tell us how much um, you never want to hear about incest again. And you can... Oh, if you like what we've talked about, if today has been too polarizing, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. Thanks for joining us this week. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. And I'm Emmy. Bye. Bye. I don't think I spelt Morgoth right once in this goddamn <laughs> document. Morog. <laughs> Fix that. I kept combining it with mother. <laughs> Here there we go. are a lot of Mot- M names. Mot- Mot- <laughs> it has a lot of the similar letters. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>